0: I-V-M.
1: Hello and welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. I am Ashton Doctor, your Habit Coach. And today we have a very, very interesting topic. We're going to be talking about a topic that is very, very passionate to me. I get questions on this all the time. We're going to be talking about masculinity, manhood, and high performance. I think these are fascinating topics. We don't necessarily talk about them enough. And when I had the opportunity to interview our guest today, I was very, very excited and wanted to jump onto this opportunity. So let's welcome Angus Nelson to the Habit Coach Podcast. Angus, welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast.
0: So great to be here. I'm really excited. We're going to have a great conversation today.
1: Isn't it a brilliant topic? I love the fact that you have chosen this particular niche of manhood and masculinity. Uh, how did you get into this uh, this idea of coaching and uh, And discussing this topic, tell us a little bit about your journey. Sure.
0: Um, I'll give you two sides of it. One is my own personal, you know, kind of revelation of it. Um, I ran my first business. I was 29 years old, thought I knew everything. And um, I made a lot of mistakes and I got ourselves in some financial risk really early into um, the business. And I didn't have the ability or the maturity to be able to ask for help. Instead, I'm like, I'm going to prove to the world that I can turn this ship around to my board, to my wife, to my family, to the community I was in. know, I went internal. And so all I did is what most men do is I worked harder. That's what we do. We think, well, if it's going to get challenging, then we just put in more hours, 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks. And to cope with the pain that I was feeling, I got involved in pornography first. Out of the guilt and shame out of that i started drinking so now i've got alcohol driving that and then i started sleeping around thinking in some way i was going to fill this void that was in my my soul in short order i lost the business blew up my marriage and i blew up my self-worth and i spent the next three years trying to figure out what in the world was my problem and i started going to a counselor and that was the beginning of me kind of dying to myself and what i knew and that was the beginning of this, this entire journey. And, and, and flash forward through that, my divorce uh, took place uh, two days before Christmas. And so on Christmas Day in 2003, I was underneath my Christmas tree ready to take my life and trying to contemplate how I was going to do it. And um, I had this kind of divine experience and this voice that said to me, we're not done here yet. And that for me personally was kind of where, okay, I have to course correct this thing. What am I going to do? And I knew that behavioral modification, just trying to be good, wasn't going to be enough. And the counseling that I was getting was enlightening me to a different way of thinking. So then I just started, you know, eating, drinking, all things, personal development and personal growth until finally I jumped in my car and drove down to Huntsville, Alabama. And I was in Wisconsin at the time, so that's about a 15-hour drive. There was an author, I'd been reading some of his books, and sat under him and let him mentor me for a year. That was my personal journey. So flash forward um, about a decade, I'm running an an association of Fortune uh, 500 brands, everything from Walmart to General Electric to BMW, Coca-Cola, like massive brands. I've got 74 companies with about 205 seats in this association all around innovation. And here I was supposed to be on calls about digital transformation. And instead, I'm helping them walk through challenges of where um, they're struggling and feeling like they can't keep their jobs because they're hired to make people angry, you know, being in the innovation space. And that's when I discovered like, this is a coaching thing. Like it's a, it's a real thing. And my background had prepared me for being able to have the, the skill set and the self-awareness, emotional intelligence, to be able to speak into those guys' lives. And so I started to make it a pursuit to figure it out. And I had a lot of stop and starts until uh, the last four years, I went headlong into it. Um, and through my own journey of learning how to be a coach, I also accelerated my own self by getting coaching. And so that's kind of gives you a little bit of context of all of it, you know, coming into what I do today.
1: Wow. There is so much to unpack there, right? Right from the, the desire of, you know, proving yourself right in the beginning, correct? The inability to ask for help, which is something that we all face from time to time, especially when we think that we are, our shoulders are huge and we can take care of the world on by ourselves, yeah. right? And going straight down into escapism like you talked about with regards to alcohol and pornography. I love the fact that, you know, these aspects of what people are going through right now were also aspects that you went through. And the way that you were able to bring, bring about a change in that. Which of these, you know, when we talk about masculinity and manhood and issues with manhood right now, right, what are the big ones that glare out at you? Or how do you even define this category?
0: So um, I define it in the same way that men have to live it. It is a tricky path, particularly in this day and age where our fathers and our fathers' fathers didn't have the tools to equip us for the kind of manhood we've been asked by the universe to evolve to. Hmm. And so we see leadership from this place of overused masculinity, which becomes toxic, where we think that striving, uh, dominance, and being loud is masculinity. And we don't understand that true masculinity is actually a fortitude that is built not for dominance, but one for support that, that our true masculinity is in a place of nurture. Right. And so we are in a world where you have to be super intentional to discover in yourself as a man, what does it mean to be me? Because there's not a schooling, there's not an education, and there's very few role models that are exploring this on that kind of a level. Mm -hmm. So our models, um, and particularly if you look at from a political stature, we think that the real men are the people who can get to the top. And then we aspire to them like, oh, those are the champions of masculinity. It's like, no, those are just people who are really good at politics. Those are just people who are really good at power play. But that's not masculinity, Mm -hmm. right? And so weaving into this is this other part is, unfortunately, on the other side, women and their femininity have been at a loss because men can't find theirs and they've been trying to get their voice. Now they've got their voice and they're frustrated with the men who have lost their voice. And so now there's there's this lack of compatibility. Most majority men, and I'll speak for this Western, I don't know about for you guys, but for Americans, a lot of men are like mama's boys. They, they're just continuing to watch someone else take care of them to put dinner on their plate or, you know, all the cliches. These are what I call the myths of manhood. For instance, one myth is that place of dominance, right? And we understand that it's altogether the opposite, is this place of serving and support. You know, another myth in our manhood is this place of where we think, you know, I got to go alone. You just said before, we can put it up on our shoulders. We're strong. It's like, no, you were built for community and you need to share that load because without you sharing your load, we can't work together and create the kind of culture and community that our humankind requires. And so we buy into these lies over and over again. And until we get to this place of self-awareness and emotional intelligence, do we actually have our eyes open to say, wow, I'm really screwing myself over. I'm really jacking myself up and I can go further and further, but I think I've given you a little fodder for us to continue to unpack.
1: Absolutely. You know, Angus, it's so interesting because many a times we only change once we've gone down that rabbit hole, right? Only once we made this mistake of burning out or yeah. hitting rock bottom, do we decide to start making a change. But to all the people listening, whether you know, you're know a man, woman, Girl, whatever. What is it that you know that defines what masculinity, according to you, should be? That we should at least aspire towards, you know? Because we all have men in our lives. We we are men. Some of the listeners have husbands, brothers. You know, for them, what should masculinity look like? If it is not this dominance, this uh, this this hard kind of exterior, what should it look like? Well, I'll give you. One more myth, and that'll kind of lead us into
0: this. You know, a myth of manhood is that we are rewarded and validated for the things that we do. And therefore, you know, we have to muster up the courage, the power, the education, or whatever to get to that thing. So it will then be validated.
1: Hmm.
0: <clears throat> Nothing can be further from the truth. True masculinity is a sense of self, uh, quiet confidence, a place of knowing who you are. Because when you can walk into a room with nothing to gain and nothing to prove, nothing to lose, you truly have power. Hmm. And that power is from this place of source and supply that's an internal work, not an external. And from this place of the internal comes a thing of expansion. And me, my philosophy, I come from this spiritual context that there is a creation, there is an intelligence, there is an infinity that has breathed into this world and made us a part of the story. And that world that we live in, this universe is constantly expanding. The sun shines, the the wind blows, the grass grows, and we can't explain why. Hmm. If I leave my yard for a few months, it's gonna turn into a stinking jungle because it just expands. How much more should we and humankind be expanding too? And from the masculine context, our expansion into knowledge and wealth and and generosity and abundance is not for us it comes to this place of being able to pour it out into others and to support and to serve and to contribute so that's a long way of saying to me true masculinity is getting to this place where you understand that it's not about you that the strength you have as a man whether it be your muscle whether it be you know the 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 way that you think the way that you perceive, those are the skill sets you've been given to deliver for the people that are around you, the community that you serve. And now when we're at that place that it's not about us, that we're not trying to get the accolades and the validation, but rather we're here to serve, suddenly the dynamics of all relationships, all communication, all possibilities completely change. And that's part of what you know, we'll we'll probably get into here in a little bit is stacking these levels and these mind shifts to the manhood matrix.
1: This is so beautiful Um, for multiple things. And and I just wanted to confirm with you one thing. Saying In in India, we have lots of mama boys, mama's boys. So that is how, you know, culturally it's been as well. So it's so important because a number of questions come into me saying that, Ashton, how do I improve my confidence? right and that's exactly what you were saying you know whenever we think of confidence you often think of external validation mm-hmm. and and you just turned it on its head and saying it's not about the external validation the accolades that you have but it's about the internal self discovery that you've made that tell me if i i got this right the internal self discovery that you've made and the amount of value you, got, you you are willing to bring to other people's lives if you have these two in place your confidence is going to be there did i get that right yeah and
0: and let's make this slight little um definition there that your validation doesn't come from the serving. Hmm. Your serving comes from the personal discovery, right? And so, the beauty of this, this is what we don't understand is we don't understand that we possess that power. Hmm. We actually have it. No matter where you're at, if you're listening in your car, doing the dishes, mowing the lawn, or just sitting around the house in your office, whatever, Hmm. you have this personal power inside of you that is greater than anything you've ever experienced. It has the capacity to change lives and create destinies. And you have acquiesced that and defaulted it to whatever culture is telling us we're supposed to do. And suddenly we're like Johnny Johnny the monkey boy dancing around, doing all the antics, going through all the motions, trying to get something that already resides inside us. Like freaking Wizard of Oz, we're Dorothy trying to click our our heels saying there's no place like home. Because the truth is, what you're seeking for, you already possess.
1: Mm. It's so beautiful. You already have what it is that you're looking for. We're going to take a quick break. See you on the other side. Welcome back. All right, let's jump into the conversation. Now, you know, I guess before getting into the matrix, there's one important thing. A lot of people reply and say that, you know, Ashton, I'm a loser. Right. I can't get, you know, I've not been able to do anything. I'm like I said, confidence is low, and they have this identity that they put on themselves just loser, 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 loser. Right. A, where does it come from? And B, how can they get out of that?
0: Uh, so we tell ourselves stories all the time. And those stories, can I say bullshit? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> you can say whatever bullshit. you want. Right. <laughs> and we have an experience, whether something has happened to us, someone has done something or said something to us, it made us feel a certain way. And then we gave it a label and then placed a judgment on that about ourselves. So now that becomes our narrative in our story. For me, I had a dad who was really hard on me when I was growing up. I played ice hockey and it didn't matter if we even won, my dad would find something to critique about you know my performance. Like I held that deep inside. Um, A second part of my story was I lost uh, my virginity um, (laughs) at a Bible camp, um, which, you know, is a whole nother fun story. And I shared that with my parents thinking I was being vulnerable and they were a safe place for me to kind of share what had happened. And instead, nobody talked to me for three days. And they totally like turned their back on me. And so my perception of self and sex became so dirty and so, you know, corrupt. These are stories that then programmed how I engaged in the world. So if you think you're a loser, I want to back up with a couple of things. Number one, careful of the stories you're telling yourself. And the only way you're going to really define that story is when you get it out of your head. So talking to somebody or writing it down, I I have my clients go through exercises that actually go through seven areas of your life of the different stories you told yourself. And what does that cost you? The story has cost you relationship. This story has cost you job opportunities. This story has cost you a perception of self, stability, and confidence, right? So reprogramming that is, is found in this our brains are like computers. It's like the data we put in is the the product we get out. And your brain loves validation. It loves equilibrium because it wants to qualify however you believe about you. So, the data you put in of you, which I like to say is what you hear about, you think about, you think about, you talk about, you talk about, you bring about. That's your process power. So, whatever information you're taking in, You're now processing, you're forming what's called an identity. This is how you see yourself, your nature. Your brain goes into equilibrium mode and then goes to seek to attract or create the experiences, conversations, uh, people in your life that will now echo how you feel about you. And so if you're like dating the same girl over and over, ladies, if you're dating the same guy over and over again, just with a different face it's because you're attracting your favorite pain. You feel that you deserve on some quantum level, you deserve to be treated that way. That's a hard pill to swallow, but the beauty is you can change that. So now you start doing the work of listening to other guidance, gurus, books, videos, conferences, start taking in the information that speaks to your wholeness, speaks to a real truth about who you are, the power you possess, And you start meditating and indoctrinating yourself to a new belief about you. I have a thing called the Morning Manifest, and it's like a six-page document I put my clients through that helps them basically convince themselves of how powerful they are. And what happens is once that identity is changed inside of you, your brain goes into equilibrium mode, and now it's going to attract and create those opportunities, experiences, and people that are now going to elevate to now bring the equilibrium to how you see you. Suddenly you have opportunities you never thought you could have before. You're creating wealth you never thought was possible before because how you see you is how the world shows up for you. And if you're blaming things from your past and saying, well, you don't understand it, Angus, I'm not worthy, I don't deserve, or I don't have what it takes, Those are the three pieces that we disqualify ourselves to stay in our comfort zone, to stay in our chaos, because in our chaos, at least we know what to expect. So part of this is having just an ounce of courage to say, you know what? I'm ready to get out of this. And then start doing the work to push yourself into this next level.
1: That was so amazing. You know, that courage to take, to get out of the chaos, because the chaos is the known devil right? Mm-hmm. The unknown devil is probably growth that's going to be there. And that's scary. Right? Yep. And that is, and, and what you said, taking that courage to just take that one step towards that is all it takes. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful.
0: It's like, um, so you, have you heard like the belief box? No, what's that? Like, I, I know you listeners, you can't see what I'm doing with my hands, but I'm basically just making like a rectangle. I'm taking two hands and putting them into like a, a arc. Uh, on each side. So in this box, this is our comfort zone. This is what we know. This is what we identify with. This is what's, you know, our world. And anything outside of that is strange and foreign and, and weird and scary. And when we do this work and change that identity, what happens is that belief box goes to an exterior of that box. So now that's the scary place, right? Joseph Campbell says, in the cave you fear to enter lies the treasure that you seek. Hmm. And so here's that weird irony or the paradox is the thing you want, you're going to have to face resistance to get. And we see the resistance as something to be afraid of. And I see resistance as the invitation to. In the old historic uh, Hebrew uh, tradition, they tell a story of the Israelites who were in uh, Egypt and they finally got to be free from Pharaoh and his people. And they get out into the desert, and they're out there for like three days. And everybody starts turning on their leader. His name was Moses. They say, Moses, have you brought us out here to die? We don't have anything to eat. We don't have any place to sleep. We've got the sun beating down on us. We're like, what are we going to do? And they said it would be better for us back in Egypt than it would be out here on this pursuit for this thing called the promised land. And I think it's such a magical metaphor for our lives as we oftentimes will want to retreat back to the prison cell where we were slaves than we would to persevere into the thing that's been promised. And legend has it like the distance between where they were to where the actual promised land was, would only be like a two-week journey or something like that. I may have that wrong, but it, it was super short.
1: Hmm. But they spent
0: 40 years because... According to the story, God had to let that entire generation die out so a new belief system could be created. Wow. Damn, I don't want that in my life. I don't <laughs> no, want that for my kids. I don't yeah. want that for our generation. Hell no. That's
1: my mission. Hmm. Beautiful. So amazing. Especially the last part, right? You don't want to take 40 years to get to where you're going. And, right? yeah, and, and one thing that has always worked for me, well, at least in, in the time that I started my own development, journey was that every time I feel scared about doing something I run towards it right mm-hmm. and I found that to help me dramatically make better choices and grow much faster than I otherwise would have instead of just pondering and pondering and like maybe I won't do that maybe I will do that if it's scary go for it let's see what happens you know yeah what's the worst that can happen go for it right
0: when you when you um you know work with uh, I assume you take on clients or whatever mm-hmm. um so Part of working with you is, is just like anyone is, is like the steps that you've taken, the places you've gone, it's like you can take a client and collapse time and fast forward their tra- trajectory. Correct. Okay. Because otherwise they will wander for those 40 years. I was talking with somebody yesterday and they were saying, you know, they just realized that if I invest in myself, I want to see it like a 401k here in the States. It's like your retirement. You know, fund, and so they can put it in mutual funds and stocks and bonds and blah blah blah. And he said, "I see personal development on that same way. Is the earlier I can start, the more benefit I'll have in my future. Hmm. And yet, even if you start late, it will still have significant returns. But you have to start. And so I thought that was an amazing little metaphor. Is like our lives, everything we're doing in our work, in our money, in our relationships,
1: etc., is actually a product of the investment we make in us absolutely absolutely one of the best investments you can make is in yourself and like i I tell people you know like we have an sip system right systematic investment plan uh with your finances and you put it in your mutual funds and every month without you knowing 15 percent of or 10 percent of your income is going to go the same way imagine if you have a systematic investment plan in yourself right every month you're 10 percent better five percent better How? Because of the information that you're taking and the actions that you're taking after that. So the information and action, putting into, you know, the implication is so, the, the implementation, sorry, is so important when you start thinking about it. Love it. What so was I your, you,
0: I want to know, okay, yeah. go ahead. You're, you're no, 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 no. I want to ask No, you, no, no, go like, for it. How
1: did you get into all this? For me, it was very interesting. I went through my own journey. Um, typical Taipei person. So uh, I was born into a family that had its own business. So I had a chip on my shoulder saying that I'm going to inherit this. I have to be the best. Um, everyone was compa- comparing me to my parents. Um, and mom started a very successful NGO. Dad was running a business. All of that I had to take care of. And um, about seven, eight years ago, I started my own division within the company. So obviously it had to be the fastest growing division. Right? Mm-hmm. I had to not take help from anybody. So I couldn't take any existing clients. I had to get all new clients for this very similar to what you were saying. And um, I was also in a very, very bad relationship at the time. So it was stress at work, stress at home. And one fine day, I was getting ready for work and I collapsed on the floor. Mm. Now, all of this happened. How? Because I probably had spent two days awake with four hours of sleep, maybe. In between that, getting ready for presentation because all presentations are written in last minute panic mode. Nobody actually plans for them. Right, so all of that happened. I was overweight. I was, I think, eighteen kilos more than I am right now, thereabouts. And um, and after a while, that really scared me. When I when I came to, I was like, there were two aspects of me. There was one aspect that said, you know, this was you know freaking scary. Right, at the age of thirty, you don't want to be lying down, clutching your heart, and Mm -hmm. and sweating, and don't know what happened to me. And at the other end, on the other side was this part of me that said, congratulations, Ashdin, You actually worked so hard that you could collapse on the floor. Good job. And this, I think, identifies a large, you know, very, very similar stories with what you're saying. I also went through the aspect of thinking about killing myself. How should I go about doing it? I'd already planned out different scenarios in my head. But at that point of time, I was walking on the sea uh, uh, the face here and I had a thought and I said that, imagine if I died tomorrow. And I went up to heaven, hopefully, fingers crossed. And God said, um, so how was the life that I gave you? And now I can't go back and say it was eh. It was okay, okay. right? I have to say it's awesome. So if I have to say it's awesome, how do I start creating that life for me now? And and being the typical Taipei person, on one New Year's Eve, I gave myself three New Year resolutions. The first one was to get a six pack. Because remember, I was nice and tubby, right? So... Well, I pay, meaning what is the hardest goal I can give myself? I have a huge punch. Six-pack has to happen. So one was get a six-pack. The second one was fail at everything. Because I realized that I wasn't failing enough. As a result, I wasn't growing fast enough. I was just in my comfort zone and I was constantly winning everything. And I really was winning everything. So I realized that I wasn't pushing myself as far as I could possibly go. Breaking out of comfort zone. And uh, the last one was interesting. Which talking to my therapist, which was, um, let's do all these, we should not be doing these things, things. So every time my programming or my uh, societal, you know, uh, checkpoints said, are you sure you should be doing that? Do it. Right? Yeah. So that completely changed. These three um, new resolutions completely changed my life because now I was a different person making different decisions. So um, the fail at everything one made me decide to go to Everest base camp with just two weeks notice. Right. I'd never trekked in my life. And I went to Mount Everest base camp in two weeks of of meeting somebody saying that, you know, me and my husband are going, why don't you come along? Sure, done. And you know, and and these kinds of things changed my life and, and the decisions I was making. After seeing this, people got in touch with me saying that, wow, we love how you've changed, Help me change. And I was like, dude, I have another fa- business that I'm running. I can't come and yeah, help right. you change. And um, at and, and that point of time, one thing struck me very strongly. I said, okay, I'll tell you what I did. You see if you want to do it. You know, people at weddings come and talk to you and things like that, right? So, so I said, all right, so I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. And they would politely listen to me for about three minutes and say, you know what, Ashton, I don't have your motivation. I don't have your self-discipline. Very good that you've done it. I don't think I can do it. And that's when it struck me saying that if people don't even think that they have the ability to do it because of the motivation, Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm particularly driven or have high motivation. What did I do? And I realized that I'd made small changes that consistently added up and which you can refer to as habits. And I realized that habits were such an important thing. And as a result, now my entire war is on motivation. It was like motivation sucks. Habits are the way to start changing things around. And that is the way that the whole habit coaching and the habit coach podcast and all of that started.
0: I love it. And, and I, I believe wholeheartedly the same thing. Like when people tell me which you know, what's your goals? I'm like, I don't believe in goals because goals is such a limited perspective of what's possible Mm. because I'm making a decision according to what I know and what I've experienced. And therefore I qualify my goals according to that expectation. It's, it's, it's making decisions without accurate data versus what if I reverse engineer any kind of like, let's say I have a business goal that says I have to make like 20 sales in this quarter. So we would say one person would just come out the gate and they're like, work, 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 work. They're going to get some sales and then they kind of coast the rest of the quarter. Another person doesn't do a whole lot until like you getting ready for your presentation. Like in the end, they're like, go, 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 go. And they cross the finish line with their, 20 sales, you know. But then there's another person. What if they just reverse engineer and say, you know what? I need so many calls to get so many leads. So many leads turn into so many sales. And if I just focus on what that needs to be divided up through my quarter, it means I just have to make five calls per day. So now my habit is I just do five calls a day. And that suddenly feels really light and easy. And then, you know, most days I I might do six calls. I'm, I might do seven. I might do 10 calls just because I'm on a roll or whatever. And by the time you get to the end of that quarter, you've superseded that goal tremendously without any great effort. Hmm. And that's the same thing in our lives as we don't understand that some of the daily practices we have of meditation or visualization or you know, actually taking a moment to like feel the energy of what it feels like to be the man I see myself to be. Taking a moment in your chest, like imagining a ball of light of power, ball of light of abundance and wealth, and that my chest is supplied with like a magnet that is attracting the right people in the right time, the right opportunities. I spend time each day exercising these small little microcosms of moments. I only spend five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. What's the long play of that? How I start to see myself differently means that I will start to show up differently. I will start to create new beliefs. Those new beliefs start to create new behaviors. And like your friend said, you're so disciplined. It's like, no, I just found new motivation. I'm not disciplined. I'm actually, I've got this vision of who I see myself to be. And instead of me trying to strive and work and earn the right to be that man, I'm already practicing every day who I see him to be today. And now it's like a magnet. I'm being pulled into becoming that man. And this becomes my slingshot into my future. Like this is, this is these are the myths that we have. Is that we have to work hard. You know, when I ask somebody, well, what about this thing? It's like, well, that's going to be hard. Oh, that's going to take a long time. And I'm like, well, let's just kind of change that question. Let's give you a new story. What if, what if it was easy? And what if it was quick? Like your brain suddenly is released of all the cortisol, of all the stress chemicals that you'd suddenly rashed into your brain. And now you're operating on this new context and you're bringing about a new like perspective and you're opening yourself up to seeing objectively and, and like up above at 30,000 feet because the cortisol and stress is no longer there. Mm -hmm. I was talking with somebody the other day and it's like, I I always do things at last minute, man. I just, I just, I just, I love that kind of pressure. I love that kind of pain. I'm like, well, well, cool. Great. Good for you. But do you, know, do you understand that you're actually operating with limited capacities when you're in that state? What if you could create some artificial urgency and rewards on the way to that thing so that you got it done earlier and didn't have to wait to the last minute? What if you could have margin to think and dream a little bit bigger and you spent you know, maybe 20 minutes per day for the next two weeks to do that thing that you cranked out in four hours at the last minute how different they could be. Like these are those little
1: habits that we can create that change everything. Superb. I love it. The, especially the part about the myth about hard work, right? That is such a stupid myth, you know, that you need great determination effort in order to make a change. Imagine if it was easy. In fact, there's a podcast that's going to be coming out soon, which I recorded earlier, which was, what is the easiest way to solve this, right? If you just ask that one question to yourself, half the problems in your life disappear, because we believe that something has to be worthy. So we try to make it as hard as possible to do. Instead, if you just ask yourself the question saying, you know, what is the easiest way of doing this? You might actually end up doing this instead instead of failing along the way. Okay, so this is where episode one ends with Angus Nelson. I'm just going to ask him where you can follow him and, and find out more about what he's doing and the fantastic work. But make sure that you listen to the second episode coming in just two days. Angus, how can people get in touch with you? How can people learn more about you, follow you? Where, where all are you available?
0: Um, the best place uh, would be Instagram. You can find me instagram.com forward slash Angus Nelson.
1: Angus, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on board and doing this podcast with us. Looking forward to the next episode. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I just- If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app or ivmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on social media. We are at IVM podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am Ashtin Doc on Twitter and Instagram. You can find lots more information on my website, awesome180.com.